everyone, and welcome to the She Research Podcast. I'm your host, Kate McKay, and today I'm joined by our Sydney Health Ethics Director, Professor Angus Dawson. Hi, Angus. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you. Good. Um, so today we're talking about a new paper that Angus has out in the Journal of Bioethical Inquiry, which is called Building an Ethics Framework for COVID-19 Resource Allocation, the How and the Why. And this paper accompanies an ethics framework for making resource allocation decisions in clinical care, which is also published in a special issue of the JBI. Right, I think? Yeah, that's correct. Perfect. So Angus, that's a long title. <laughs> and I think kind of makes it pretty clear that you're thinking here about a framework, which is a kind of decision-making tool, I think, right? Um, yes, yes, that's right. So what kind of motivated writing this paper to accompany the framework and the framework itself? So uh, just to kind of step back a bit, I mm. think more and more of my work um, is engaged with uh, different kinds of policy makers. And I got really interested theoretically as well in how we might conduct what we can call implementation ethics. Mm -hmm. So how do you get ethics into policy making? And, and there are a number of different ways that you can do that. I mean, one is to be working with policymakers through different kinds of committees and so on, actually making decisions. But another way that people with a background of ethics can contribute is by working on the production of different kinds of documents and I have a, a sort of a way of making, trying to make a distinction between what I call a framework and a guidance document or guidelines. So a framework takes the metaphor of a frame seriously. It's like a frame around a picture. It's there to provide some kind of structure to the decision making that needs to be made. But it very much kind of focuses on um, trying to help the decision makers, policy makers, to deliberate about what they should do. Mm -hmm. Whereas a guidance document, guidelines, tend to be much longer and they are providing more detailed kind of normative guidance. And then very often they get sort of flipped into performing some kind of regulatory role. So if you think about research ethics, for example, um, there are many research ethics guidelines that then seem to come to have a, an almost legalistic, quasi-legalistic status that regulates the particular domain um, of activity. Mm -hmm. So a framework is a particular kind of document that says these are the kinds of things that we um, ought to think about when we're explicitly responding to either one particular question that we have or a set of questions in, in relation to a particular kind of activity. And this paper is an attempt to explain a little bit about the process that went on in developing a framework for a group of um, clinical ethicists within uh, the Sydney region who were faced um, with the possibility of having to make difficult decisions about who should gain access to various kinds of goods when those resources were limited. Mm 
And this was written at the end of March when in New South Wales and Australia, we were facing the potential situation where um, things like um, beds in intensive care or ventilators or even things like PPE could potentially be um, of uh, sort of scarcity. And um, the framework was an attempt to say, well, these are the things that we need to think about. Mm. And I guess at the time that we're speaking, New South Wales isn't yet in that position, but it does sound like Victoria might be. So this kind of thing would be the sort of considerations that you're talking about, kind of shortages and such, seem to be the sort of things that I think I've heard recently on the news, especially around PPE, that Victoria might be having to make decisions about. So I wonder if you can give a kind of elevator pitch, if it's possible, of how, um, of what you recommend, I guess, what the ethical considerations are and, and what you recommend in the paper. So in, in the framework itself that we developed, um, the approach yeah. is to try and have a series of questions um, that are a means of kind of, again, framing, taking that metaphor seriously, the kinds of issues that ought to be discussed. Mm -hmm. So the, the thought there was that um, we had a, had a group of people that we got together that were both uh, clinicians with relevant expertise, clinical ethicists, and also people with a background in ethics and philosophy. And as a group, we met on a daily basis to develop the framework. Um, and the, the, the kind of structure is a series of questions and then responding paragraphs. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the key kind of um, component of the uh, framework itself is to basically argue that um, institutions, in most cases hospitals or um, local health districts, ought to set up a um, committee that makes decisions about resource allocation, which is separate from the clinical team that are caring for the individual patients. Mm. And that's so that we can separate out the resource allocation decisions from the kind of particularities of the experience of the individual patients. Mm. Physicians and other people within the clinical team can still um, promote to the best of their ability the interests of those individual patients. Mm -hmm. And they have people who are looking out for their interests in that kind of process. But you have a separate committee that doesn't know which individuals we're actually talking about. But they do have relevant clinical expertise. Mm. And we argue that we ought to focus on trying to provide the best possible outcomes from the use of the resources. So there's a kind of focus on um, efficient use of resources. And we argue that there are various reasons why that doesn't fall foul of various possible objections. Mm. In the Frameworks paper, um, what I try and do there is to say a little bit about why we focused on producing a framework. Um, again, that explains a little bit of the material that I talked about uh, just before about the difference between guidelines and frameworks mm -hmm. and why the structure of questions and so on has been chosen. That's partly based on previous experience that I've had with other organizations. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of the paper is trying to provide some 
justification for the the kinds of um, positions that we are expressing in the particular framework itself. So from your background paper, are there specific issues that stood out to you as being, I guess, particularly hairy ones to have to deal with or to have to justify with regard to the framework? I think, um, what's really important whenever you're talking about resource allocation mm -hmm. is that it's always going to be contentious mm. so you're never going to get a, agreement amongst everybody and um what we what i try and do in the in the discussion of the frameworks paper is to provide an explanation of what the different possible positions are, the different kinds of values that might come to the fore when we're thinking about responding to resource allocation decisions and provide a justification for why we focus on the particular kind of um, view that we're outlining. Mm. So a focus on efficiency is one option and that's the, the view that we prefer. Mm -hmm. Another um, perspective might be to say we ought to focus on responding to different kinds of disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And um, I argue in the, the paper that um, that's a laudable aim. We should be concerned with inequalities and disadvantage in general, but at the point of emergency where you have to respond is not the appropriate time. You know, we should be concerned about that generally in relation to healthcare and society as a whole. Mm -hmm. rather than at the point where we have a limited resource and we're thinking about the distribution at that point. Mm. And then the third option is to go for some kind of idea about um, random allocation as a means of showing equal respect to everybody. And um, again, I suggest that actually, that actually has too great a cost mm -hmm. in terms of efficiency. But um, that is something that other people have actually argued for. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to ask you about the um, suggestion, and I know that this is in the framework paper rather than the more theoretical paper, but perhaps your theoretical paper touches on this. But I think it's interesting that you've proposed a um, committee that's the decision maker, and then that this is separate from the treating physicians and nurses, although they're advocating for their patients. And I think I can see some reasons why that would be advantageous, but I wondered if you could just maybe say something about why um, that's how you proposed that that be set up. Yeah, so the, the framework paper doesn't say very much uh, mm. about that because um, there was a very tight word limit, so I couldn't go into detail about everything. But mm -hmm. I, I think it is an interesting issue to to think about because it raises a general question which is in the framework itself and also the framework paper which mm. is about the role of process mm -hmm. so this was a proposal to separate out those roles that are both vitally important when it comes to um, healthcare teams within institutions that have to make these kinds of decisions so the process was a deliberate attempt to address a significant issue that was a real world problem 
that we had seen reported from places like Italy that had had real kind of um, COVID problems in the past. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a paper in the New England Journal of Medicine that was documenting how Italian doctors faced with that situation were under incredible stress and uh, were crying in corridors and so on as a response to that stress. So we were thinking about if we separate out those roles, then we can actually reduce the kind of pressure and the, the burdens upon the clinicians who actually have to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. And so the process, the role of process here is kind of, is multiple really. It's to ensure fairness, to ensure efficiency, but then also to protect the psychology kind of, of the people involved. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's thought about you're protecting the, the, um, the clinicians from the kind of stresses. So you're protecting their mental health. Mm-hmm. And that means, of course, that they are themselves a very important resource. Mm-hmm. And we have to try and uh, protect them as a means of protecting us all, because the mm-hmm. longer that they can, can serve in the front line, mm-hmm. the more that they are actually contributing to helping all of us in society. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we can think in advance about where the, the potential um, stress points by, might be, and we can introduce a process which uh, reduces the chance of those stresses actually emerging, then I think that's actually better for everybody. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I would argue is interesting about our framework is that we do use process at various points but it's not as a means of moving away from making a substantive judgment about what we ought to do. Mm-hmm. Namely, we ought to focus on efficient use of resources to produce the best possible outcomes. That's a substantive claim, which mm-hmm. then is contentious, you know, and people are going to disagree about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's so much to talk about in this paper, but we're rapidly running out of time on the podcast. So I guess I was wondering if from this uh, more theoretical paper, if there is a kind of key takeaway or set of takeaway messages that you hope that people will glean from reading it. I I think the reason why I wanted to write this paper is to partly to document the process of what happened Mm -hmm. in developing the framework itself. But I also, I'm, I'm very interested these days in the kind of theoretical set of issues related to how we help people who are not experts in ethics make more ethical decisions. And I'd argue that frameworks that are set up in the right way can really help with that sort of moment to moment deliberation about what we ought to do. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Angus. It sounds like a really great paper and a very interesting framework. And I'll provide the links to both um, in the notes for this episode, I think, for folks who are interested in checking them out. Great. Thank you. Great to talk to you today. Yeah, you too. Thanks very much. And thanks for listening, everyone. If you're interested, you can find other She podcasts on Anchor, Spotify. We're now on iTunes. You can check us out wherever you get excellent podcasts of quality. Thanks for listening.
Bye.